loves, welcome back to the Live More Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Aria, and today I'm recording from my car. I'm actually on my way to Flagstaff and gonna spend the weekend in a much cooler, quite literally cooler place. Um, but I wanted to make sure I got this done before getting up there. So go ahead, grab a seat, and let's get going. For those of you who don't personally know me or don't follow my Instagram account, I am a woman of color. My mom is white and my dad is black and I'm from Minnesota. So everything you're seeing on the news right now with the Black Lives Matter move, Matters movement and um, that's all hitting really home for me. Um, this week has been really hard. I spend a lot of time crying. I don't know if you've all watched the video. It's um, of George Floyd being murdered. It's devastating to say the least. When I watched it, I almost threw up. I've never seen such cruel behavior. Um, And I wanna make it known that I am not against police officers. That is not what the Black Lives Matter movement is about. I am not against white people. (laughs) That is not what the Black Lives Matter movement is about. I just kind of want to take this time to talk with you all about what it's like being on the side of the minority. A little background about me. I grew up closely with the white side of my family. I grew up in a smaller town just south of Minneapolis. Lots of predominantly white. Um, So that's what I'm most familiar with. But that doesn't change the fact that I stood out a little bit. Um, My nose looks like slightly different than other people's. My hair texture is quite curly. My skin is a little bit darker. Um, Some people, I remember growing up, didn't realize that I was mixed. Um, Some people did. Some people were fine with it. It was no big deal and others were not. I think the hardest thing about what's happening right now is that it's becoming extremely public and people are voicing their opinions on it. For the first time ever, a lot of these people, myself included, I've kind of, I've kept silent most of the time and um, I'm not really sure why. I'm also really not sure why this time uh, I feel that I shouldn't be silent. And I've noticed a lot of my friends doing the same thing. Um, I think that George Floyd, this being filmed, made it extremely real for people. So whether or not you choose to watch it, I, I honestly think that's the main reason why this is affecting so many people differently than some of the other cases have. When you see it, you can't deny what's there. You can't unsee it. So please be aware if you do come across the longer video clip, um, it's, it's very difficult to watch. And it's maybe not for everyone to do that. But no, it's there. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what it was like for me growing up. 
because I think it's hard for people to understand racism when they aren't personally doing racist acts and they haven't experienced racist acts against them. It just kind of seems like something of the past. It seems like something from our history books or, you know, maybe they actually saw Amistad when they were little and that's about as close to it as they got. And so it's very easy to think that it's not something that takes place every single day. Um, when I was very young, I, I didn't notice anything different. To be honest, I didn't know I was any different. <laughs> and I think that's beautiful. Um, I moved to Wisconsin for about two years, and we moved to a very small white town. And I say white town because literally every single person in that town was white, except for my sister and I. Like I said, at this point, I didn't know I was any different than anybody else. I was a kid, just like everybody else, and that's all I knew. I went to school, and as we were walking out to recess, I was brand new, um, and I didn't have many friends yet. It was a little scary being the new kid. And somebody from behind yelled something at me. Now, I didn't know what they were yelling. I'd never heard this word before. And um, the people that I was with, they knew. These other little kids knew. And they stopped and looked at me and waited to see how I was going to respond to the situation. I was in second grade. (laughs) So this understanding that that's even what was going on was, I mean, kind of amazing, I think. I, um, I understood that whatever this person said, they meant to hurt me by their words. You could just feel the anger in their voice. But I didn't know what that word was that they had said to me. My friend stopped and asked me, do you want to tell? I said, no, that's okay. It'll be okay. And I kept walking. And I didn't turn around to see who it was. And I'm kind of grateful that I did because it was a very small school and a month or so went by and I ended up becoming friends with everybody in my class, which means one of those people that I became friends with was the same person that yelled this horrible thing at me. We moved back to Minnesota and I was on the school bus and somebody said the same horrible word. As I was getting off the bus and I, at this point, I'm like, you know, it triggered me. I'm like, that is the same word that other kids said to me. I need to know what this is. And I think I asked one of the older neighbor girls what the word was and what it meant. And if you, if you haven't guessed already, um, it was that horrible N word. So they kind of explained it to me. I don't remember how they explained it. I just was shocked. I started bawling and I ran into my house. Um, That was my first two encounters with racism. After that, um, it wasn't, I, I didn't really experience a lot or notice a lot of it after that. Until about maybe fourth or fourth grade okay so maybe it actually wasn't that long after um I was back in Minnesota and in Minnesota it gets quite cold in the winter so as you wait for the school bus everyone waits inside a building together 
just to stay warm, stay out of the cold as you're waiting. One of the girls that was my neighbor would lock my sister and I out of the building so that we had to stand outside in the cold and she would laugh at us and hold the door shut with like all of her might hold it shut she would throw snowballs at us and I'm not talking about the fun snowballs that you see being thrown in the movies I'm talking the icy actual real snowballs that happen in real life not the fluffy Hollywood snowballs um one day on the school bus the same girl was taking pennies and chucking them at my face and you see what's so wrong here is a couple of things one that should never happen two everyone else was so afraid that nobody said anything else either like this just kept happening i realized after i taped that that actually i'm pretty sure one of my best friends Brittany worlds stuck up for me during all of that <laughs> i i can't recall exactly because to be honest it was quite traumatizing but i think i remember her saying something it obviously didn't stop this person from locking us out of buildings and throwing things at our faces but i am pretty darn sure she stepped in more than one time so to you miss Brittany, thank you and i love you I I can't uh, I want to say I can't fault anybody for standing up but honestly that's a whole lot of the problem that's how our society has gotten to where we are like people won't stand up another horrible thing is I I couldn't really get mad I mean I was furious but if I show my anger then I'm this angry black person and I'm playing into the stereotype and if I don't show my anger, then it just keeps happening. Now take color away. Say, was it all the same color? We're going to go with white because it's easiest. A little white girl locks a little other white girl outside of an apartment complex because it's cold. This little white girl gets mad, makes a fuss, makes a stink. Nobody sees anything wrong with that. Because, of course, she shouldn't be locked outside in the cold. And as soon as that girl becomes a girl of color, now she can't get mad. She has to practice... What do I even want to call it? <laughs> like, patience, acceptance. Um, none of these are really the word I'm looking for. But she has to practice being calm in situations that are unfair. Because even at such a young age, somehow we all realize that life's not fair for us. And so you go through life learning this and seeing it again and again and again. And then it comes to a point where we have on tape a police officer murdering somebody. Now, whether or not George Floyd was guilty of this crime, to me, I don't really feel like that plays into the actions that this police officer took. The reason that we have our court system set up is so that the court system can deal with the punishment of crimes. Police officers are not supposed to be the ones punishing people. 
if this was anybody else with their knee on a man's neck, people could have interfered. They would have pushed that man off. They would have probably hit the man, to be honest. He was trying to murder somebody and attempted to. I mean, and actually did. Um, And those people that pushed that man off would have been looked at as heroes. But because the person that had their knee on and was doing the injustice was a police officer, this just changes everything completely. You can't touch a police officer. One, it's a felony, I'm pretty sure, um, to put your hand on a police officer or their dog or anything. Also, they legally have a gun. They can shoot you. They can tase you. They can mace you. Um, If you step in and interfere in any which way, they can apprehend you. They can press charges against you and you can go to prison and they'll slap the whole book at you. So what is it that we're supposed to do? I'm... I'm taping this on Friday and it's going to go live on Monday. So I'm guessing a lot's going to happen in between now and then. Um, As of this morning, this police officer was apprehended and convicted of murder in, I think it was a third degree. With the hopes that as more information comes to light, um, that he'll be charged with additional things. Now, right before I got on the road, I believe I saw something stating... I don't know, something completely different, and I pray it's not true. So we've got this one man. Now, tell me this. When other people are involved in the situation, not physically, but are there and not stopping it, are they also not guilty? I'm pretty sure with most other crimes, they're guilty. They're just as guilty as the person actually doing the act. If you're involved in like an armed, armed, armed robbery, um, but you're not the person, like maybe you're just the getaway driver, right? That seems like a lot less bad than the person who's busting into the wherever they're breaking into with a gun. But I'm pretty sure they're all tried the same. Like you're involved in that. You're part of the reason that happened, even though you're not the one that was holding the gun and doing whatever like you're still involved and you know what's going on and you did nothing to stop it as a matter of fact you kind of helped you know these police officers they maybe I mean they weren't the ones with their knee on George Floyd's neck but they stopped everybody from interfering they did not take his pulse when asked they did not tell the police officer even one time hey man like I think that's a little too much Hey, he's done. Let's put him in the car. Hey, like, nobody stood up. Nobody said anything. And silence is deadly. Silence is what killed this man. People not standing up. Thank God for the person who was filming, or the couple of people I saw, a couple different angles. Thank God for the people who said, Hey, I see you. This is what you're doing, and you're going to kill him. The move you're doing is illegal. Thank God for them saying all those things, because that can all be used as evidence. As you can see, um, this is a, a pretty uh, close-to-home issue for me. And the next part of this, I, I guess, goes to um, all my white friends out there. And I love you all to death. 
And I understand that it's hard to comprehend everything that's going on because it's not easy even for people who have suffered injustices. I had a beautiful conversation with one of my friends the other day, though. He asked me what my views were on all lives matter. And my first response was, F that. (laughs) And he just kind of looked shocked. I was like, okay, obviously I need to explain myself. So I told him something that I'd read earlier that day. Now, this didn't really help him, but I'll tell it to you first in case it sinks in with anybody here. I told him... (coughs) Sorry. I told him that if you're at a breast cancer rally and everyone is there in support of breast cancer, someone came in and just said, all cancer matters. Like That wouldn't really be relevant, would it? Because nobody is saying that all cancers don't, like, don't matter. They're just saying that, hey, today we're going to pay attention to breast cancer and raise awareness for this. That's it. I could tell that it really didn't hit home with him. And so I tried another way, and I wish I could remember exactly what I said. But I'm pretty sure it was something like, Black Lives Matter does not mean that all other lives do not matter. What it really means is that there is a cruel injustice right now happening in Black Lives. And people aren't really noticing it. It needs to be noticed. And therefore, it needs to be a movement. It needs to be a movement. Black lives matter. This does not mean that all lives don't. This does not mean that police lives don't. This does not mean that white lives don't matter. It simply means that black lives are being taken way too frequently. And no one's saying much about it. Therefore, it becomes a movement. Now, are there other lives that are also being taken unjustly? Yes. Yes, of course there are. But this just simply isn't about that. This is about the black lives. So to say all lives matter is a very privileged thing to say. And it's part of the problem. It's part of people not understanding the racism in this country. Now I'll say again, black lives matter does not mean that all lives do not matter. It actually means that all lives do matter. (laughs) But that hashtag is not okay. We need to be paying attention to the oppressed. I have a friend that asked me last night if I was going to the rally, the rally, the protest, um, for George Floyd in Phoenix. And if I was going, if he could come with. I uh, read that text. It was the best thing I'd read in quite a while, to be honest. It, of course, like, who who wouldn't want extra support? And he asked me during part of it, he's white, he asked me during part of it if other people thought that it was weird that he was there, like other protesters. And I looked at him, and I was like, absolutely not. We need the support of everybody, especially our white friends and the white community in this. I mean, black people have been mad for a very long time. (laughs) A very long time. And not much has changed. We need the white people to also get mad. We need everybody to get mad. This is wrong. The things that are happening are wrong. So the white allies 
is becoming a, a really big thing and I appreciate everybody out there that's taking the time to try to understand because like I said this is not an easy thing to understand and what is the right answer I have no idea but I will tell you that also being okay <laughs> take a breath here um, there's a lot of damage being done to properties at the moment and there's a lot of people talking about how bad it is that this is happening well I'll agree it's bad that this is happening but I'll also remind you that this police officer was charged which put, put in custody and charge quicker than any other police officer has and I have a feeling that has a lot to do with the way Minneapolis reacted and responded to everything. Now, that doesn't make what they're doing correct, but when push comes to shove and you just keep killing people, and not you, obviously the people listening to this are not the people murdering innocent, innocent, non-innocent, they're not the people murdering, but when as a society we continue to allow murdering people to walk around with no punishment at some point you're gonna piss off a group of people so much that they are gonna decide the only way to be heard is to make some noise because no one's listening to them any other way and can you really blame them now i'm not one that has partaken in any sort of damage to any property and it's not something that i will do it's it's not in my heart i but i can't blame the people who are doing that I haven't had a family member murdered by somebody, so it's not the same for me as it is for the person who recognizes the face on the screen. It's not the same, and it's certainly not the same for someone who's never dealt with racism at all. So we can't really judge. You can acknowledge that you wouldn't make the same choices, and I think that is healthy and good. But until you've walked in the same shoes, I don't think it's appropriate to be saying that they shouldn't be doing certain things. I don't think it's appropriate to say that the buildings are more valuable than the lives that have been lost. Obviously, people's businesses are important. But to only state that, I mean, that seems so naive. <laughs> he chose to focus on property instead of people. And that's a problem. I pray that things get better soon. But honestly, this one kind of scares me. When I walked in the protest last night, it had this feeling of what I could only imagine it was like what I was reading in the history books my father marched with Dr. King and I can imagine kind of I can kind of imagine how terrifying that must have been they really knew that they were going to be injured I prayed that we were not going to be met with harsh force like that but I mean there was no telling what was going to happen and I think the police officers of Phoenix that were there protecting protecting us as we walked it was really a beautiful protest 
it lasted about two hours and then most people kind of dispersed after that it did change um it did change a little bit it was the people that were left a lot of them were just really angry some of them I'm I don't even think were there because of the cause I think they were just there to cause issues (laughs) um which is very unfortunate but you know a squeaky wheel they'll be heard so if you've seen video footage of how horrible the protest was know that that was a very minute portion of it should it have happened no I saw one person with a spray can going to um, tag the street. And I went up to him and told him to stop. And he kind of just walked away. And I turned around and looked at everybody around me. And I was like, he shouldn't be doing that. And they're like, yeah, I know. He also did it over there. I'm like, gosh. You know, like, that's that wasn't the point of all of this. The point is to just make everybody notice that this is happening to draw attention to draw attention where eyes have looked the other way it's come to a point now that people cannot look the other way and if people choose to focus on the negative aspects of protesting versus the negative aspects of lives being lost I really just feel like they need to take a moment and sit with their thoughts and really analyze really analyze step away even from your thoughts for a moment and just look at it from an outside point of view which is challenging (laughs) it's very challenging to do that to take your own emotions out of this but um there's no other way so what can you do please go online take a look at your um how to connect to your representatives in your city and urge them to make the correct choices. There are tons of um, resources out there right now for every city across the U.S. and every state, and I urge you to take action on those. I understand that protesting is not for everybody. You're definitely putting your life at risk to make a statement and that's a really terrifying thing that I don't expect everybody to do but what I do expect people to do is to take a stand in some way not taking a stand at this point is taking a stand and I don't think you want to be on that side the world is in turmoil we're still fighting off COVID and now we're starting to fight each other and we've turned on each other. It's been so insane watching people argue this over the internet, seeing people unfriend each other and say such hurtful, horrible things. The racism that's coming out is insane. People who maybe were closeted racist before are just like, spewing off all this stuff with n-words all over my screen and I um I think everybody and anybody who tells them that that's not okay I'm seeing a lot of that as well I'm seeing so many people stand up and say that they don't agree I'm seeing so many people I know go to protest take their kids to protest 
I know this is kind of like a rambling thing, but as I keep talking, there's just so much I want to say. There's another issue that people have brought up to me, and that's children in all of this. How do you explain this to children? Do you expose your children to this, or do you try to kind of hide it? Um, I guess when asked if I would bring my child, which I, I don't have children, so it's kind of hard to say, but if I would bring my child to a protest, I said, yes, I would. And I would make sure to do everything I could to keep us as safe as possible, but I think it's really important that we don't hide the issue anymore because that's been a lot of the problem is we all try to pretend like it's not really happening and as we continue to pretend that it's not happening it's just getting worse so this is what I would personally do if I had a child and I can only say this hypothetically because maybe if I had a child I would think completely different but I would like to think that I would take my children to a protest I would let them see everything that's going on and answer any questions. I would make sure to stay at the back of the protest and also on the side because if something does go wrong, those are the safest places to be and the quickest places for you to exit. But I do think it's important that we talk to our kids about this. I've seen some of my friends back home take their kids to peaceful rallies, peaceful protests, and I think that is so beautiful. And I see them struggling to come up with the words to explain this to them. I love that they're trying because this is a hard thing to explain. (laughs) Racism is a really hard thing to explain because it doesn't make any darn sense. I mean, you can, I guess. You should hate somebody just because of the color of their skin. And so to explain that to a child, when children are so... um, they're aware in a different way they see something and they just have an opinion right away or they know a little something and um they just say what they think so there was this book that my friend posted and it was a a story about these two kids who asked about the shooting of a man and it was a police officer who shot a black man and It was interesting to see that they were even confused why they were calling this man a black man. They said he's brown. (laughs) And then why they were calling the police officer a white man because, well, that's not white. Like, to just take it down to those basic principles of that, that's not even what it is. Um, And to try to explain that to a child has got to be confusing. So I'm so sorry for all the people with kids out there right now that are having to do that. And I appreciate you taking the time to come up with the words to talk to your child about this. It's important that we teach our kids because if we don't, the cycle will continue. We need to teach them right now that racism is not okay. We need to teach them right now what racism even is. (laughs) I think in the coming months, we're going to see a lot more people speak out about this. I hope that we're all able to come up with a way to change everything and it hurts me because I don't have an answer. I don't have words to give you on how to make this better. But I think we're doing the right thing by talking about it because it's been in the dark for way too long. We need to bring it to light. We need to put it on the table and have conversations about this. It needs to be something that we can all speak about.
Do you have any articles or books of different things that we can read to help either better understand the situations or help have the conversation in a civil way? I know a lot of the people that I've spoken to seemed quite upset when they started speaking. And I've tried to speak to them in a way that is respectful to them, but also respectful to the cause. So far, actually, (laughs) my conversations have gone quite well. Um, And I think that's because it's been with people that I've known. So they know my heart is pure when I'm talking to them. And I am doing my very best to be as respectful of their feelings and their opinions as well. I think that's important during all of this is that we do try to be respectful for the people who aren't trying to be blatantly racist. Like some people, they are being blatantly racist and I don't know if there's any saving them. I don't know if it's worth your energy to try to save them. Maybe one day, but let's start with the people who just don't have that strong of opinion on it and they just, they don't see it. Let's help them see it. Okay. And we'll continue from there. And as we work together, I really think we can make the world better. Oh my gosh, that sounds so corny. But I really do. (laughs) I really do. I, I have faith in people. Like, I don't think people can truly be that bad. At least not all of them. Some of them, yeah, they're making really poor decisions. But I think as a whole, the majority of us are darn good. So let's get together on the same page. Let's make sure that we're not fighting against each other just for the sake of fighting. Let's make sure that we're understanding each other's points. Acknowledging the points, having a civil conversation, and coming up with a way to grow together after this. We need to come together. That's the only way we're going to get over it all. We need our brothers and our sisters of every single color to come together. I don't know if this is as heavy for you as it is for me, but this was a really heavy episode. And so I appreciate your time in listening to this. Um, And I hope that by the time this airs, things have gotten better and not worse. Thank you all for being with me today. I know this episode was so much heavier than most, but I felt like I really need to say something. I have a friend that's creating a new YouTube channel. She's gonna be interviewing people of color, white allies, um, just on day-to-day experiences. And it's her way of allowing people to see things that are truly going on in America because if you don't experience it yourself it's so easy to not know how could you know it's not happening to you but the more we speak about this and make this conversation more common I think the better people need to understand what's going on if they don't understand we can't make a change So I appreciate you spending your time with me. I'm going to be posting her updates on my Instagram as we go. My Instagram, if you're not yet already following, is jessica.aria. That's jessica.arelia. 
Feel free to share this episode with anyone who you think may benefit from hearing it. Um, And until next time, be well.